0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of our Foundation Training Pharmacist Podcasts. My name's Amir, and I'm from the RPS. Today, in this podcast, we're going to be focusing on the key milestones in our training, what you can look forward to, and any possible challenges that you may face, and how you can possibly overcome them. I'm joined by um, two guests today. Um, I've got Christian and Khalid. Uh, Would you guys like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, Shall I go first? Um, My name is Khalid and I am the uh, training lead for uh, community pharmacy chain uh, Iman Healthcare Um, and I also am a training programme director for Health Education in England, again to do with uh, foundation trainee pharmacists. Thanks Thanks, Khalid.
2: And I think I'm off mute. Uh, yeah, so my name is Krish. Um, I am a recently qualified pharmacist. I am currently back at University of Huddersfield, uh, completing my PhD um, in a novel, using novel biopolymers uh, for, for pharmaceutical means. Krish, um,
0: can you tried to explain to me what your PhD was doing before you joined the call. Yeah. And uh, he gave me... <laughs> Very how much you want me to go in depth it's i'm basically uh,
2: using a biopolymer um and i'm using it to cut, allow it to stick to the mucosa of the gastric system of the stomach to allow um the release of um an anti-cancer drug
0: to, to do uh, targeted anti-cancer therapy wow. wow um and you did your i suppose you did your uh, training with khalid is that right
2: yeah, I did. So my training was with che- at Checkfield Pharmacy in Pontefract, and at a um, GP surgery in Leeds called Colton Mill Medical Centre. So yeah, that, that was, I, I had a GP split, which I was quite fortunate to have.
0: Brilliant. I suppose for, for me and for our listeners, it'll be really great to hear both of your views on what you can expect from your training year. And as I mentioned in our short and brief intro, um, any tips for success that you can have during during those year we know that trainees when they start start this year and they embark upon this journey it's all very different for them so they've come out from university um, and they've entered the, the working world and and people have some really mixed views about that some of them can feel really happy and excited um some of them i, I think a little bit apprehensive a little bit worried um, and for me, it's, it's all it's all okay to have those feelings because, as I've said, it, it's new. And I think the traditional training method has obviously evolved because of COVID, and and um, the world has changed over the last the last two years. And I suppose that probably is a great segue into the first question that I really wanted to ask you guys, which was: so, what advice would you give prospective um, trainees? So they've just started, and and what advice would you give them? Any any key top tips? Um, I think with
2: just starting the pre uh, the the foundation training year, it's really important that you do it the way you want to do. I think uh, you know you can talk to previous students who are pre uh, pre registration uh, pharmacists, and they'll give you their insight into how they did it. Um, but I think it's really important that you find your way. Um, and you really make a good relationship with your supervisors I think that's really important as well and you just have you don't need to have a clear-cut plan right at the start Um, because you've just come out of university you know you've been sat in lecture halls being spoon-fed all this information and you're going straight into working life and you're expected to you know work nine till five and go home revise do all that stuff and you know, to put that amount of pressure on to have a clear-cut plan so fa- so quickly into the to the into the foundation year, I think is quite a lot of pressure. So I think it's about taking your time and communicating with your to quite a bit about what you want from the year and how you want how you want it to go and kind of having having a collaboration and establishing that collaboration as soon as possible. That's great. That's really really helpful, Helen. Would you agree
1: with with those points? Yeah, I think that's been really well put by Krish, actually. And Krish was a very good example of somebody who was very clear about what he wanted to achieve uh, and actually quite clear about how he wanted to achieve it as well. And it was a case of, you know, it's not just about doing whatever the trainee wants, but it's about figuring out how we can achieve everyone's objectives at the same time. So the trainee comes in, they've got their objectives for the year. The supervisor has has their objectives, because they're not just supervisor, they're, they're a pharmacist and they're managing, etc. Um, uh, and then you've also got the team around the, the trainee as well so the people that they're working with it's important that as well as having a good relationship with a supervisor they have a good relationship with all the other members of, of the team as well um, and that you understand what their objectives are during each day and the week and the year uh, and I think what's very helpful is that if you can embed yourself in that team and have a good working relationship with everyone and help everybody else with their own objectives what what then tends to happen is when it comes to you needing your study time for example needing some time to Look at something. up to We'll find they're going to be more, um, more collaborative um, and more supportive of that because you've helped them with with their job. So I think I think it is an exciting year, and we should trainees should be going into it very excited. Different trainees will come with different levels of experience. So what you don't want to do is compare yourself with other trainees or your friends who may have been working for, you know, uh, the local pharmacy for four years or whatever. Um, they're going to start off at a very different level, so just have a think about what you want to achieve in your year, and then work with your supervisor to uh, to achieve it. But enjoy the year because you only have it you only have it once. Um, to make the most of it. Yeah, <clears throat> to go off what Callie's just said about
2: enjoying the year, it's really important. I think now I'm a qualified pharmacist. I I kind of sometimes think back to my pre reg where you know, you, you're bound to make mistakes. Um, you, uh, whilst, whilst you're learning on the job and you're, you're being put under certain pressures. Um, you know, I was working in a very busy pharmacy. There are times where I would get it wrong. Um, and then I'd reflect on it. I'd, I'd talk to my supervisor about it and just see how, how I could improve, really. And it's all about, like Khaled said, just enjoying the experience and kind of taking every opportunity um that's been given to you uh, you have that support you you know you have that support with your supervisor so you you have that safety net and that can kind of give you kind of a license to not take unnecessary risk but to kind of you know step out of the comfort zone at times because that's what you're going to be doing as a daily pharmacist you're going to be stepping out your comfort zone at times uh there may be things that that come across in daily pharmacy life that you've not come across before. And it's really good to try to take those opportunities in Foundation Pharmacy year, and really just take hold of the take all the opportunities and know that your supervisor is there to
1: support you and help you get further. I think I think there's one more thing to is that no one's going to care about your, your foundation training year more than you, and no one's going to think mm-hmm. about it more than you. So it's very important that you take that, you take it by the scruff of the neck and that you are very curious and that you're asking questions And they're not waiting for somebody else to push you to start your learning and asking questions because everyone's busy doing other things. So uh, I worked with with a couple of trainees just a couple of days ago. I don't do it very often, but it was quite nice. And you could see they'd almost gone into autopilot mode in terms of dispensing and getting on with the day-to-day and they weren't asking questions. Uh, And when I was asking them questions about what they were doing, they they didn't know the answer. And that didn't bother me. That didn't know that. What bothered me was they didn't ask and they weren't curious about it. So you need to really kind of... From day one, avoid getting to that autopilot mode of just coasting through the air and making sure you understand what's going on around you.
0: That, that's a, a, a great um point there because the one of the questions that I was going to ask um is that as as Chris was um describing some of his, his top tips, I think I, I absolutely agree with everything that's said, but I think often we we hear that trainees um are a little bit apprehensive because they've they've come from a university environment where deadlines are given to them. So they are told you've got this coursework to submit on this date um, and you can, and these are the people that are available to you. So it's a very, it's a very academic and a very professional relationship. And I think when we consider the relationship between trainee and supervisor, it's still a very professional relationship. But Khalid, what you've described about people going into autopilot and dispensing and doing the ordering and doing all of that stuff. I, I, I hear that quite frequently. And what I suppose what I really wanted to know was you both mentioned um, about building relationships and it's your year and definitely taking that by the scruff of the neck and, and doing, um, I suppose, the stuff that is important to you. But what tips have you got when some of some of the relationships break down or when you don't see eye to eye with your tutor or you're saying the trainee is saying, I really want to do this and the supervisor is saying your, your time will come for
1: that or some of some of those more complex examples. Shall I go first on that one? <laughs> um, and, we, we, and we see that you know we see we see that kind of thing happening uh, every year, and it happens in every sector and every setting. It's it's it's, it's quite common. Uh, and communication is the key, isn't it? Is as soon as you have a concern or a worry, something you're not quite comfortable with, um, have that conversation. The first person, you should, have, the first person you should have that conversation with is your supervisor, because part of the year is developing that as Christian developing that relationship with the supervisor, and that happens through through discussing, discussing things things with them. It's a good idea to maybe have a plan of what you're going to discuss and how you're going to phrase it, how you're going to word it, what sort of tone you're going to use. Because what you don't want to do is go in all guns blazing and sound quite accusatory or uh, like you're pointing the finger, but more kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this and I've got this concern or this worry uh, and I'm wondering kind of, you know, do, do you have any advice on how I can uh, remedy it? Or actually, I've got a solution. What do you think? And make it a two-way conversation be very respectful about it and that in itself is, is, is a developmental process you'll, you'll develop professionally from that and it'll be very good now sometimes if the outcome may not be great for whatever reason because there might be a personality clash or whatever um again it's important to know at the beginning of the year what your support structures are and what your lines of communication are so if something goes wrong uh, with your supervisor and you can't sort it of out between yourselves who's the next person you want to go to is the line manager or do you have a training leader or what we call these as an educational program director, an EPD within the company who you can go to, who can maybe give you some advice, go back to how to have that conversation with your supervisor. And actually maybe in the first instance, if you're a little bit intimidated because you've not, you not you've not worked before, you've not had that relationship with a, with somebody in, you know, in a working place, it might be worth going to your, your like another line manager or your training lead to say, I'm having this, this concern. How do you think I should approach it with the supervisor? And they can kind of, Give you some tips. I'd like to, if, if it doesn't work with your supervisor, have a chat with a line manager or EPD, uh, and maybe they can, you know, mediate if necessary. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't get that far. Hopefully, it's not that serious. Um, but if it does, and if you don't have that facility, there are other ways. So, some um, students still have good connections with the university or their academic tutor. So, you'll find they'll, you know, if, if they have a good relationship, they can go back to them and get some advice from them because they're usually pharmacists or practicing pharmacists uh, and they can give you some advice. Um, and the other, the other organization to look to is Pharmacy Support, uh, which you know the RPS is, is well linked with, and it's the official charity for pharmacy professionals. Uh, and actually, if you look at the stats from Pharmacy Support, even though trainee pharmacists make up the smallest group of their membership, they make up proportionally the largest number of queries that they get from that group. Uh, and that's an anonymous, uh, kind of very safe place to go if you want some advice on various things. Yeah, I completely agree with Khalid. You know, uh, I never
2: had to use pharmacist support, but they were—they made sure that they knew that what they were there. Um, and it's good that they kept on re-emphasising that they are there because I think sometimes trainees can kind of forget that there's someone always there. And, you know, you, you might have friends you can talk to and people you can talk to, but when it comes to your professional development, Sometimes you actually want kind of a cape, you want someone who might be understanding what you're going through. Um, during my training year, I I wasn't subject to many problems with my tutors, you know, that they, they were both fantastic tutors Uh so I never I never really had such problems, but they there were sometimes disagreements on like where I thought I was and like what I thought I could do. And I think sometimes that's just out of naivety at times because so when you're going to your training year you think you, you know everything you don't you don't know everything you know there there's a difference between seeing it on a lecture board and then actually it happening in practice and I think one thing that I always tell myself is if my tutor believes that my supervisor believes that I'm not ready for it just trust them on it because they have a plan you know your supervisor will have a plan they're doing it for your safety as well as a patient safety but they do have a plan and and as long as they're communicating that plan with you and they're not just springing it on you you shouldn't really encounter many problems and I think it goes back to that one word of communication right at the start of the year on what your set plan is and sometimes things can shift you know your supervisor your supervisor may think okay I don't think he's ready just yet for this maybe we'll try it again next month. And that's not something to be disheartened by, you know, because you may have excelled in other areas that they thought, you know, would have come later. So for myself, whilst I was in GP, um, and especially during COVID, my skills of communication with a patient one on one were were not there because I was talking to patients over the phone. And that is a skill in itself, talking to a patient over the phone, because you're you're not getting any visual cues off them. You're kind of just hoping that whatever they're saying, there is a sort of an understanding agreement. So when I did have my first patient come in, I was quite scared, to be fair, because, you know, you, you've got a patient in front of you. You don't really, you have OSCEs and stuff at university, but when you have an actual patient in front of you, it can get quite daunting. And um, after I reflected back on with my supervisor, she said that, you know, uh, maybe this is something that I want to sit in a few more consultations with. I think at that time, I kind of knew that I wasn't ready uh, for that. So I just communicated that to her um, and just said, I want to sit in with some more of your consultation so I can, you know, I can learn a bit more and then go back into my own. And that's how we kind of resolved that one because she was trying to push me just that bit further. Because I think she knew that I could do it, but I didn't feel that I could do it myself. And I just wanted to see a few more consultations and how they worked out.
1: Can I just come in There's something really important here about um trainees being very honest about what sort of support they need from day one. So one thing we encourage with our tutors is, is, is the use of something that medics use, or med- so trainees in medicine use, um, which is called the kiddie ring the kiddie ring interview structure. And what that is, it talks about your kind of what the current role is going to be, what your aspirations are as a trainee, um, but it also delves into kind of your history as well, kind of what, what work experience you've had. You know, do you have anything that might affect you, like medical conditions? What's your family situation like? Now, it's up to the trainee to divulge what they're comfortable with, obviously. But the more you can you can divulge to your supervisor, the more they understand your background. And it's about enabling your supervisor to see you as a whole person and not just a, a, a trainee pharmacist. Um, so if you have a medical condition that might be affecting your work, whether it's every day on an intermittent basis, or maybe you have a learning difficulty, uh, dyslexia, ADHD, whatever, um, these things may impact on how you perform. Uh, and if, you're, if your supervisor is not aware of that, they're gonna mark you quite harshly and be quite strict with you. But if, you've, if they understand that you've got these medical conditions or maybe you've got financial difficulties at home or you've got caring pressures or something like that, that then if you come in and you're having a bad day, your, your is not just thinking, well, you know, Chris is in a bad mood, what's up with him? They're gonna also think, oh, maybe something's going on, I'll have a little, little word and see if he's okay. It becomes a very different conversation a very different experience so i think you know self declaring that with what you're comfortable with with your supervisors good for yourself as a trainee makes things much easier for you i'm really glad you, yeah. you said that because one of the next questions that i was going to ask was
0: just around um work-life balance and well-being so i touched it upon it briefly um already but I described earlier where people, we hear people say that they've come out of uni and they're, they're doing um, a working job. So Chris already described a nine to five, but it might not be a nine to five. It might be an eight to eight, it might be an eight to seven. It could be a Saturday or a Sunday, <coughs> holidays. And there's a, there's, a, there's a lot on, right? And I think for me, it'd be really, really good to, I suppose, just highlight some of the top tips um, that we can let our listeners know around how you juggle some of that work-life balance. Um, and how you can help plan and prioritize some of the stuff that that trainees have got going on because you're absolutely right it is it is there yeah and it's something that they only get a chance of doing once so um there are there are obviously other other things there are competing pressures and I think it would be really great to hear from you both any top tips that you've got around um, competing challenges and managing a work life balance chris can we come to you first yeah yeah um
2: <coughs> so during my training year, I, I had some, um you know, that my grandfather was recently diagnosed with dementia and things like that. So that was a competing pressure for me. You know, um, I think anyone who, I'm sure people know about dementia, it's not very easy on the family as well as a patient. And that was one thing that I highlighted straight to my tutor. And we talked about it. And he, my tutor was very supportive of that, that, you know, sometimes I would have to, just take a break because at times I would kind of just get worked over at times. Sometimes I would be a bit down and he would understand that. Um, and I think that's one thing, you know, personal, personal issues to talk about with your tutor is not a bad thing. Um Even though it's personal, you may, if you have that relationship with your tutor that like you can talk to them because my tutor, I saw as, not just a colleague, but as a friend, because of that, that's the type of relationship we had with each other. You know, we, we had laughs but um, whilst working, but also I could go to him comfortably and tell him about all this stuff. So I think, yeah, personal issues is firstly one thing that you should try negotiate with your tutors and tell them about how you are feeling away from work life. When you come out of university, it will be a massive shock, Um, you know, going to a full time job, knowing that you got an exam right at the end of the year that will dictate whether you are going to be a pharmacist or not, and obviously have more tries. But everyone wants to nail it on the first go, but it's not something you want to relive <laughs> for three times. So you you automatically have that pressure on your back, and I think sometimes that can really get on top of you. Um, and I would be lying if I said that it didn't get on top of me, and I'm sure there's other people who got on top of, but to what I did to get past that was sometimes I call it a winning mentality. You know, you, I, I come from a field of sports where just don't give in, um, you know, whatever you do, just don't give in. And that's what I always had in my mind that, you know, just keep a winning mentality. Still, it will get easier. You know, as soon as you know the staff um, who you're working with, you'll, you've got a better um, you know, relationship with your supervisor, it all gets a, hell, a, a lot more easier because you can talk to them they will tell you stuff on how to how to help with the exam because they've probably seen other pre-reg students and it's nothing new for them so if, if they've already done it before they can give you tips on how the other pre-reg negotiated the year um, and it's really good to take in all that advice even if you don't use it um, or you disagree with it a bit at least you know about it and I think that's something that's really important that you just taking as much advice as you can and find out what is the best fit for you but yeah um it it is a shock um and I won't lie about that it, the pre-registration year it it can be hard but with the right support network and it becomes a lot easier in the end um and you you become a lot more confident um and mature about how you are as a person as you go
1: on through the year yeah, I mean, I think I think Chris's point, Chris's points are going much more more valuable than mine because he's uh, he, he's the guy who's been through it, and I went through it a long time ago. But from from my experience, um, trainees need to remember that it's a marathon, not a sprint. They need to really pace and pace themselves throughout the year. I mean, saying that it goes past really quickly. If you start obsessing about the exam and panicking about the exam from day one, and kind of really throwing yourself into revision from day one, quite quite heavy, um, you'll burn out. There's no way you can yeah. you can keep that pace up until the end. So there's something about yes, preparing in advance. But I know Chris was really good at it. And by the way, I wasn't Chris's supervisor. Oh. Uh, and another one who was great. Um, But I dealt with Chris quite a lot, and um, I remember he had, he had kind of a revision time job quite early on. But I think I think it was sensibly paced and not too not too heavy. So that's, that's one thing. Um, But in terms of looking after you, after yourself, you know, you need to take time off. You need to enjoy your time off. Enjoy your weekends. Uh, yes, you'll have to do some studying in your free time as well. That's just the way the year is. But the time you have off, make the most of it. I know some trainees, um, because they're so panic, panicked about the exam, they will save up all the holidays, all the annual leave until just before the exam to take it off for revision. And in my experience, that just isn't needed. Usually, a couple of weeks is enough for that intense revision for the exam. Save up your other, hol- your other annual leave and take a regular breaks so off, take a week off you know, after a few months, another week off after a month to kind of recharge your batteries and just switch yourself off in that time. And that's really important because if you burn out before the exam, then it's, it's quite hard to get yourself uh, in kind of in, in tip-top shape and in the, in the zone uh, for the assessments itself. Yeah, I, I was one of those that fell into the trap
2: of, you know, saving up all my annual leave till the end. Um, luckily, I wasn't a burnt-out type of student. You know, I, I did have my own chill time and, you know, spent time with friends. Um, that's one thing to really highlight on that, you know your weekends are your weekends. You <clears throat> obviously some weekends you may be writing up evidences or doing a bit of work, light light work, but just make sure that the Saturday and the Sunday are for yourself, because that's what work in life is the Saturday and Sunday for yourself. If you want to do work, just try to say even half an hour a day of work after work, whether it's just reading say the hypertension guidelines or the asthma guidelines it will something will stick but that's not saying do it every day um you know sometimes you just want to go home just watch some tv and then just go to bed or you want to go out afterwards don't feel guilty about that you know i i I felt quite guilty at the start because like i should be you know i should be working right now and just try to get out of that mindset because the only thing that you're compromising is actually your own mental health and you know, mental health is becoming a lot more talked about these days. And I think during my pre registration year, um, it was probably highlighted more to me because it's a tough year and especially during COVID. And I think, you know, everyone talks about mental health for healthcare professionals during COVID. It's the same for, for tra- trainee pharmacists because there is that added pressure of the exam. So just take time for yourselves. Um, you know, Khalid said that the year goes by fast, it does go by fast. but there's also time as well you know you there there is a lot of time for you to just filter in knowledge learn on the go um there's nothing better than learning on the go um you know you could read you could read the hypertension guidelines or you could answer a query um a a doctor ring you up and answering a query and there you go you've learned the hypertension guidelines but you just screened over it and you just told someone and that's how you also get your evidences in so yeah, um I know that's a bit off topic, but try just be efficient with your time because if you're efficient with your time, you'll going to have a lot more chill time, which is what we all want
0: as well during the year. I would absolutely agree and I wouldn't say it's off topic at all. I think that's a it's a really good <laughs> a really good point that you made is your your time is um valuable and you need to you need to use your and utilize your time well. And I think it is fine. A lot a lot of trainees say, I need to be working. 18 hours a day or whatever it is and it's just not sustainable it's oh, not cheap yeah. people get burnt out and I'm really glad that you mentioned mental health and well-being as well because in my time I was a trainee um <clears throat> 11 years ago seems like ages ago now but going from being a trainee to being a tutor to being a group uh, training supervisor yeah I'm really pleased that mental health and all of this stuff is being discussed more openly because people don't plan it and it's an opportunity cont- to contextualise and apply what you've learned in university, but also on the job. I suppose that's a good point to stop um, and just summarise some of the top tips. So um, I'm going to try and summarise because you guys <laughs> mentioned so much. Um, but I think for me, one of the key things that you both said was this year is really all about relationships. Um, it's about the relationships with your supervisor. It's about the relationships with your team and most importantly it's about the relationships with yourselves so if there is an opportunity to highlight something that's perhaps not going so well then think about how you're going to have that conversation with your support network be it your friends or be it your tutor be it your line manager or be it a trusted advisor or colleague Khalid mentioned um, something about being curious which is which was around it's really easy in this year to just I suppose knuckle down Um, and dispense and do the job that is needed. But this is your year. It's an opportunity for you to be able to um, learn and ask those interesting questions that perhaps you may never have again. It's an opportunity for you to be able to ask and say, why is it done in this way? Or why is it done that way? And that's not just about the clinical competence, but also about some processes too. I think the last thing that came through really well, well and strongly for me was that you really need to communicate. So communicate, as I've said, with your team and with your colleagues and think about the stuff that's going well and not so well. That's been um, great. And I really want to say again, thank you both for your time today um, to discuss the training. Yeah. I want to thank the listeners. Um, Thank you for listening. And in our next episode, we'll be focusing on the trainee learning standards um, and what they are, how to gather the evidence and how to demonstrate them. Thanks all.